This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How does a 14-year-old boy simply vanish? In a world of CCTV, where our every move is captured and recorded, how does a teenager slip away and stay hidden for more than a decade? Where do they go? And what trail of devastation is left behind them? In this episode, we tell the story of Andrew Gostin and how he walked out of his home one day and never returned. We ask what might have happened to him. We follow the clues to his disappearance. And we invite you, the listener, to tell us what you think as we look for the information that might solve this case. Getting up every day forever and ever and ever wondering about his existence is its an extended torture. This is The Missing. Andrew Gosden. It's just gone 9pm on the 14th of December 2007 and young Andrew Gosden, a 14-year-old schoolboy, is late for his tea. The story that unfolds from here has puzzled police and left a family bereft. It's the story of a boy who vanishes into thin air with no explanations, no reason and no answers. 
It's a case which has captivated an online community who spend their days scouring the web for clues and theorizing over what might have happened. A case that everyone believes could be solved if the right person came forward. It's a case which is senseless, unfathomable and illogical. And it's this lack of any logical reason which makes it all the more intriguing. I'd been to do the shopping and we had a friend coming to share dinner with us. We were all busy chatting, catching up, how's your day, your week, while I was unpacking the shopping. We sorted out some dinner and then called Andrew. Now, normally he'd have been downstairs in out. We have a converted basement. He'd have been down there with his Xbox or he'd have been up in his room so obviously we shouted, no reply came, we went, oh, you know, he's not heard us. So I think Charlotte went wandering around the house to figure out where he'd got to. Andrew lived with his sister Charlotte, mum Glenys and his dad Kevin, who's talking to us now in a terraced house in the Yorkshire town of Doncaster. This Friday evening was the end of a busy week for them all. A new school term had recently started and it was the last golden days of summer before the leaves started to fall and outdoor coats became mandatory. Family dinner was a definite ritual in the Gosden household, but tonight's wouldn't go according to plan. Kevin carried on cooking the dinner and setting the table. There was no moment of panic, no sudden alarm. While Andrew was a pretty quiet kid, he was a 14-year-old boy nonetheless, not great at being punctual. He didn't have a mobile phone, and there was no reason for anyone to think anything other than he'd simply lost track of time. We did the obvious things like ring friends, neighbours, just thinking, oh, you know, he's a few doors up at his mates and they, they've started playing snooker and he's lost track of time. By this point, it was way past dinner time. The remains of the cottage pie were going cold on the table. Andrew had been missing for at least a couple of hours. There was an increasing need to figure out where Andrew was and where he'd last been seen. Then we sort of, you know, gradually figured out that Andrew hadn't made it to school that day. So where was Andrew? Where had he been all day? For Kevin, the fact that Andrew had missed school... Immediately rung alarm bells. From there, I think we started doing things like trying the hospital in case there'd been an accident and had been admitted. Um, but really, yeah, it was at that point that we thought something is really off here. The realisation that someone you love might be missing can happen gradually. They're with friends, you think. They've lost track of time. They forgot to mention an appointment. But none of those theories made any sense now. Charlotte and Kevin left the house to search. They spent the next few hours looking in alleyways, snickets and fields. They retraced Andrew's route to school. But there was no sign of him. By the time they returned home, Andrew still hadn't reappeared and they had to do something which filled them with dread. That point was when we picked up the phone and called the police. Most missing people return home within the first 24 hours. 
But during that first call with a South Yorkshire police officer, the Gosdens were insistent that Andrew wasn't the type of boy to disappear for any length of time. He'd never missed a day of school, you know, every year or term or whatever it was. He came home with 100% attendance certificates. Something had changed. Andrew was now missing overnight. He wasn't just late home, he was gone. In the early hours of the morning, on the 15th of September, the police arrived at the Gosden household and asked the family to think of anywhere that might hold a personal connection for Andrew. Kevin's first thought was the Yorkshire seaside town of Whitby. A 16th century abbey sits on the headland overlooking the harbour and the town is infamously the inspiration for Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula. Andrew had always loved the Gothic steampunk scene and the family had made the two-hour drive to the coast many times. So it seemed at least possible he might have gone there. Friends of the family headed to the coast first thing the next day. They put up posters along Whitby's harbour front featuring an image of Andrew. The picture they'd chosen perfectly captured his floppy mop of brown hair, slightly awkward smile, glasses, even the distinct crease in his right ear, a mark he'd had since birth, and one which is often used to identify possible sightings. In every local shop or cafe, places they'd visited before with Andrew, they expected to find him browsing the magazines or sipping on a lemonade. They were sure he'd be there, completely unaware or unappreciative of the panic and turmoil going on back in Doncaster. Concerns are growing for a 14-year-old boy from Doncaster who hasn't been seen since Friday. Andrew Gosden is described... News appeals went out, describing a typical teenage boy who liked rock music and computer games. Andrew was described as a good student, with a small circle of friends and no history of running away. Word quickly spread. A handful of sightings were reported. But as the day wore on, Andrew was still missing. There was another place where Kevin believed Andrew might have gone. Doncaster is on one of the main train lines across England, from north to south. And fast trains regularly stop at Doncaster on their way to London. Most of my family live in London and from a very young age, obviously, we'd regularly visited and done museums and galleries and you name it, <laughs> London Dungeons, to Swords, whatever. I mean, it was purely an educated guess, if you like. You know, we just figured, well, where's he going to have gone on the basis of what he likes? Police were told that London was a possibility. Inquiries were sent out to see if there was any sign of Andrew boarding a train. But detectives were already piecing together Andrew's movements. Door-to-door inquiries around his home address and the gathering of CCTV footage was prioritised to give the police a starting point, a trail of Andrew's movements that they could hopefully follow. Just 36 hours after he'd left home, apparently heading for school, they found their first clue. What we pieced together was he'd crossed our street to the park then he'd clearly gone round to the cash till at a garage on the corner there 
and basically emptied his savings um, of £200. Keep this figure of £200 in mind. Why did Andrew need so much money? It's a key piece of evidence, which we'll come back to shortly. He then circled back to our house, changed into casual clothes. Um, I mean, he even put his uniform in, in the wash pile ready for washing and hung his jacket and tie up as he normally would. And then he walked down to Doncaster Station, which is on the East Coast main line, bought a one-way ticket to King's Cross. It appeared that Andrew had deliberately not gone to school. He'd waited until the house was empty, then gone back home. CCTV from the train station clearly proves that Andrew boarded the train as a passenger. There were witnesses who said, yes, I, I mean, I was sat opposite him on the train. He was just playing on his portable PlayStation, not bothering anyone. So at about half 11, quarter to 12 in the morning, he was walking out of King's Cross Station. Where he went after that is a complete mystery. It's 11.45am, just before the lunchtime rush. What did London have in store for a boy with cash burning a hole in his pocket? It was quite possible that his school teachers could already be looking for him. After all, it was unusual for Andrew not to be in class. But they wouldn't be looking in London. In novels, films and books, as well as frequently in real life, bustling London is where people run to when they're looking to disappear. It's easy to get lost in the crowds and the big smoke, and for many people, it's the perfect place to leave your worries behind. But judging by the CCTV of Andrew sitting on the train, playing on his PlayStation, he didn't appear to be a young man troubled by worries. King's Cross Station is a transport hub. From there, Andrew could board an underground tube, or he could get a connecting train to dozens of other towns or cities. He's even just a five-minute walk away from boarding the Eurostar and journeying on to Europe. Did Andrew have plans? Was he going to a tourist spot, meeting a friend, going to a gig? Internet forums suggest he may have been interested in watching the North London Derby, a football match between Arsenal and Tottenham the following day. Or could he have been heading to Oxford Street to get his hands on a newly released games console, the PSP, a portable PlayStation? Wherever Andrew was heading, did the fact he'd only bought a single ticket indicate he wasn't planning to return home? Well, whatever the truth, there wasn't a shred of evidence to reveal where he was going, or for what reason. And no matter how hard Andrew's family looked, both then and now, they can't find any suggestion that Andrew had planned to leave home for good. This is the absolutely baffling thing about Andrew. No one that we've ever spoken to, I mean, not in school, not his friends, teachers, us, no one had any idea that anything was bothering him, let alone what it might have been. You know, there was just nothing amiss in any context, which makes him vanishing just all the more baffling, really. And 
We've never had the slightest evidence that anything was wrong, you know, or that anything was sort of going on in his head that would make him take that journey. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. While police tried to knit together the threads of Andrew's movements, Kevin looked closer to home specifically at Andrew's behaviour. Kevin racked his brain. Had Andrew been depressed? Heartbroken? Was he being bullied? Was there something that could have made him intentionally run away? Kevin says that in the days and weeks before he vanished, Andrew was... Going through a quieter patch, if you like, and uh, was pretty much a home bird, so you'd, you'd mostly find him in his free time playing on the Xbox or reading, he read a lot, um, knocking snooker balls around on the table in his bedroom. Um, really nothing to write home about at all. He seemed perfectly OK, you know, and we, we thought, well, he's OK, he's going through a, perhaps a less sociable patch, but, you know, give him a few months, he'll discover girls exist and we won't see him for dust or something, you know. <laughs> London's transport network operate a vast number of CCTV cameras, over 15,000 on the underground alone. And the streets around King's Cross Station sprawl outward across the city in every direction. The police knew camera footage would be the key to working out where Andrew had gone. So what did it show? 
After alighting the train, Andrew is caught on camera walking along a platform towards the barriers. Another shot sees him leaving the main exit of the station. Clearly visible, wearing a t-shirt emblazoned with Slipknot, one of his favourite bands, with a small bag slung over his shoulder. There's no doubt it's Andrew. More cameras outside the station would no doubt capture where he goes next. Or so you'd think. He most likely would have walked out of that station, cast around for the entrance to the tube, and hopped on whichever line it was to wherever he was going and gone that way. Unfortunately, CCTV from things like the buses and the tubes was actually never requested. So, I mean, we were unable to get any further clue as to where he'd, he'd gone. That's right. CCTV cameras outside King's Cross Station weren't checked for signs of Andrew until after they were wiped. Whether that was down to cost, time, manpower or miscommunication seems a bit irrelevant now. But it makes sense that a clue to where Andrew had gone was on one of the camera rolls or memory cards in one of London's many cameras. But that evidence hadn't been gathered, and without that footage, the trail ran cold. Andrew was simply one of millions of people somewhere in London. So the Gosdens took it upon themselves to try and figure out where. I remember we were making, or I was making, whole lists of anywhere he'd ever been in London that he'd enjoyed. We were doing things like they picked up a time out and looked at any possible gigs or things like that. We basically ended up for a time alternating Glenys and myself being in London scampering around all these places with leaflets and posters, just asking, has anybody seen him, and so on. I mean, initially we had some possible sightings information. So spent quite a long time obviously following those up, doing things like you know, somebody thought they might have seen him on Waterloo Station at a certain time. You know, so we'd be there staking it out, basically scanning the crowds, handing out leaflets, and so on and so forth. How we'd react in a crisis is something we can never truly know until we find ourselves in one. Kevin remembers a continual panic which left him breathless, and a day-to-day -day cycle of checking and rechecking parts of the capital. I mean, it was frenetic, but we tried to be logical about it and cover every possibility that we could think of, which are kind of, I mean, I guess that's kind of the story of now almost 13 years, is we've just plugged away doing anything we can think of that might help to, I mean, at least establish if he's still alive. We just tried Covent Garden because we knew he liked the atmosphere there and the market stalls and stuff. Oxford Street was another place he quite enjoyed, so asking in shops and places along there. Lots and lots of museums and galleries. 
The hope of finding Andrew at each London location they visited came to nothing. And by this point, the media was following Andrew's story closely. Certain newspapers began to suggest that Andrew might have been lured to London by someone. Maybe by a friend, just for the fun of an adventure in the big city. But perhaps by someone not known to the family. Going missing for periods of time can sometimes be due to the actions of someone else, and it was suggested that maybe Andrew had been groomed. The only problem with that theory was that there was no evidence that Andrew had ever discussed his plan that day with anyone. We established that he'd not been in communication with anybody through the landline. He didn't have a mobile phone. There were no traces of any computer activity and, uh, I mean, you know, hours obviously, and at school and even in the public library where he sometimes went, you know, no traces were ever found of him ever communicating with anybody. I mean, Facebook barely existed. It only just come into being. Twitter didn't exist. We've been went through his school planner. He didn't keep a diary as such. We checked that his passport was still here. You know, every possible thing you can think of, we were rummaging through. And we just couldn't, and never have, found one shred of evidence to suggest that he had a particular event or destination in mind, that he'd been communicating with anybody, just nothing. And it, it genuinely seems like whatever was going on in his head, that was the only place that it was going on, was in his head. So, you know, what it was that he decided to go do, we are as baffled about now, you know, well over a decade later, as we were at the time. Kevin has contemplated every scenario imaginable, but even now he struggles to accept any of them. How well we know our children is a question every parent asks themselves, and Kevin has had to wrestle with the possibility that Andrew might not have been groomed or lured to London, and that he might not have had an accident or been the victim of a violent crime but instead that Andrew had chosen to run away and stay gone. Did he mean to leave forever? Was he ever homeless? Did he not want to be found? A clue that Kevin keeps coming back to is the money that Andrew withdrew from the cash machine. Remember that £200 that Andrew had on him, a sum that wouldn't see him past a night or two away from home. Surely, if Andrew was planning to run away for good, He'd take everything he could. Yes, he did use it to buy the train ticket. But, I mean, also, we found out afterwards that he'd left... I mean, he had some cash in his bedroom, birthdays, pocket money, left over from bus fares or whatever. And those... I mean, he could easily have taken quite a bit more with him. Um just by picking it up and putting it in his pockets. 
I forget how much, but I mean, there was certainly, you know, he had some notes and coins in his money box upstairs. We always had a box full of emergency money and bus fare money. I mean, you know, there was quite a few pounds in that. You know, he could easily, if he'd been planning to do something longer term, it would seem very strange not to have picked that up. Going through his wardrobes, he didn't take a jacket or a jumper or anything. He just wandered off in skinny jeans and a t-shirt, which in the middle of September, I mean, it's going to get a bit chilly, so it's not really likely, you know, unless, do you see what I mean? You know, he picked up his portable PlayStation, didn't take the charger, you know, and how long is that going to last on one charge? I would have said that Andrew pretty much liked his home comforts, so the idea of him sleeping rough doesn't seem to really fit with his character. In recent years, the case has caught the attention of people around the world, drawn by the unexplained, unfathomable disappearance. Theories are chewed over on dedicated online forums. There are thousands of posts on a Reddit page discussing Andrew's case, and fresh suggestions are never slow to be put forward. Amongst them, well-intentioned members of the public debate whether Andrew was headed to a concert. A list of the live events nationwide has been retrieved from the newspaper archives, including a number of indie or rock concerts, the type of music Andrew liked, in the capital that evening. Could it be that he went to London with a concert in mind, and that something or someone happened to him before or after? Another member of the public has sifted through thousands of photographs taken in London on that day to find people in the background who could be Andrew. And there are three or four with a striking likeness. Same build, same hair. Grooming, running away for good, simply having a day out that ends tragically. All the theories circulate. There's a belief online that someone knows what happened to Andrew. And if the Reddit community are frustrated, imagine how the Godstons feel. It's the type of thing Kevin believed he'd only ever see on the news, happening to other people. And he remembers the irony of a conversation with Andrew only weeks before he disappeared, when another child seemingly vanished. That child was Madeleine McCann, who was reported missing by her parents while on holiday in Portugal. I remember sitting on the sofa in our front room, seeing the news of Madeleine McCann's case unfolding. And I remember going, oh, it must be every parent's worst nightmare. And Andrew was like, yeah, that's awful. And like a few weeks later, he disappears off the face of the earth, which I still find a little strange because I think, you, you know, you, you did at some level, you grasped that a parent losing their child was an awful thing. Almost 14 years have passed, and both cases have received a lot of attention. Recently, Madeleine McCann's case featured in a Netflix series. New breakthroughs came through, and there was a hope that, at the very least, answers could follow. But there's no such hope for Kevin. You know when your kids are little and you're in the shopping centre or on the beach or at the park or something and you lose sight of them for a minute and you get that 
heart in your mouth, gut-wrenching, oh my gosh, where are they, sensation. And of course, normally you just, you know, you cast around a bit and you go, oh, they've wandered over there, they're fine. And it, But it's that sensation just prolonged for initially hours, days, weeks, months and years where you're just absolutely panicking, you know, about making sure that your kid's safe. The not knowing, the getting up every day forever and ever and ever wondering about his existence still even is just, it's an extended torture. If Andrew is alive, he will be 27 now. He may look different, though the distinct crease on his ear won't have gone away. Kevin clings on to the hope that one day, information will come to light that will crack the case, or someone who knows something will speak up to reveal the truth. And the more the case is talked about, the more chance that someone will come forward. This is why Kevin believes these stories are so important and must continue to be told, because... This could happen to anybody. You know, like us, you might think everything might seem perfectly comfortable and normal. Nobody's upset. There's nothing going on that seems amiss. And yet, you know, out of the blue, this happens. So I tend to really want to encourage people to talk about it, really, with their kids in the way that you might cover from crossing the road safely to how you deal with things if you're offered drugs or how you make sure you're safe if you go out to a gig or whatever it is. I mean, it never, ever crossed our minds to talk about going missing. In many cases, it takes just one piece of information to lead police or family to the answers they crave. If you know what happened to Andrew, if you'd arranged to meet him in London, or you remember seeing someone like him on the 14th of September 2007, your information could be vital. Even if you've never been to London, had never heard of Andrew Gosden before listening to this episode, you could still help. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there you'll find images and details, not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.